In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to Awaken180WeightLoss.com. And you made this... What is going on, all of you beautiful listeners? Welcome back to The Dagger, the podcast where we cover all things NBA and the top news in all of basketball. I am Taylor Call. I am joined by my guy, BJ Johnson. Dion could not make it. He is buried in law school finals because he's a much better student than I am and is actually worried about his grades, unlike me. So... Dion's out this week. He'll be back. Don't you worry. And his takes will be worse than ever when he returns. Don't don't even worry about it. <laughs> I had to take the chance to insult him when he's not here. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Dot Dagger Podcast. Interact with us. Let us know what's going on. Today, we'll have a little guest host try and take up some of the time that to try and fill the loo that, you know, we feel with Dion being gone. So we'll have a guest here in a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about the Lakers. What's up with the Lakers sitting at 12 and 12? Who's to blame? Do they have to make a move? Is Frank Vogel on the hot seat? Talk about all of that. We're going to talk about the absolute treat we got last week of seeing the Warriors and Suns play twice. What did we learn from those two games? Talk about that. And finally, we've had quite a few injuries the past few weeks in the NBA. Talk about some injuries and how screwed are those teams without those injured guys? Talk about all that today. But first, you guys already know how it works. We got some awards to give out. Hooper of the Week. Good Hustle Award. We'll have to give out a few extra since Dion's not here. But BJ, take it away with your Hooper of the Week. Hooper of the week goes to, I think they're calling them the Slash Brothers, uh, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. The Chicago Bulls duo is putting up, uh, I think DeMar is fourth in the league in scoring, 26.5. Levine's putting up 25 points a game. They're just crushing the competition. If you look in the box score, it's always like Levine 34, DeMar 32. Like they 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 really complement each other well. And the Bulls have been on an absolute tear. They had good wins against the Knicks last week. And they went into Barclays Center uh, against the Brooklyn Nets and just stomped them. So um, I, I like the Chicago, the Chicago Bulls team right now. And these two, DeMar and um, Zach Levine, are really playing well together. Slash brothers, I like that. I'm a big fan of the Slash Brothers. 
Speaking of sweet, speaking of sweet nicknames, my Hooper of the week is the other half of Sexland. So if you don't know, uh, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, affectionately known as Sexland, gotta love it. But even without the better half of Sexland, Darius Garland continues to plow ahead without Colin Sexton. My man is averaging almost 20 points a game and seven assists this year. Coming off back-to-back 30-point games against Utah and the Wizards with 10 assists in one of those games, Darius Garland is really balling out this year. He's playing really, really well. And it's maybe the biggest reason why the Cavs, him and Jared Allen, the biggest reasons why the Cavs are decent. Not bad. Facts. Future is bright, so Darius Garland's got to get some love. I didn't know he had it in him, but he's taking a huge step this year. I thought he was just going to be one of those three-point shooting specialists, but now he's way more than that. He's nice. He is nice. He's he's kind of a bucket. All right. Where does he from, Vanderbilt? Is that right? Yes. Okay. That sounds right. I mean, you didn't hear much from him his first couple years in the league. No, not at all. But breaking out when his team needs him, Darius Garland, Hooper of the Week. All right, let's get negative, shall we? I have a couple of good hustle awards to give out. My first goes to Duncan Robinson. We're going to talk a little bit about the team tonight. But they need some impact players. Bam is now out. He's hurt. Jimmy Butler's been in and out. And my man played a game the other night and made absolutely no impact. Duncan Robinson played a game this week. He had he played for 20 minutes, zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero blocks, one steal, two fouls, 0 for 7 from the floor. Tough, tough. I mean, Duncan Robinson, like, I mean, we all kind of knew that if you weren't scoring, you weren't doing anything. But good Lord, if you're not scoring, you're not doing anything anything (laughs) one steal one yikes duncan robinson good hustle out there for that lack of running down in bags yeah in uniform yeah that's yeesh wow come on ultra lord get together (laughs) tough and i have a bonus good hustle award I got to good give a good hustle award to the California Interscholastic Federation. These are the guys who decided that, well, I, I should back up just a little bit. So I watched a game this last week between Sierra Canyon High School, also known as Brawny High School, and St. Vincent St. Mary High School in Staples Center. And I couldn't help but notice that Sierra Canyon were all wearing masks around their neck, not over their mouth, not over their nose, not even on their chin, like around their neck. And I'm like, what's what's up with that? Like, what is the point of that? So it turns out that the California Interscholastic Federation has said that every single high school basketball team in the state of California has to wear masks. But I guess they don't actually have to wear them on their nose or mouths. What? So so then the question is begged, why do they have to wear them at all? 
like do you understand how masks work do you understand the concept of you know restricting airflow through the nose and mouth um yeah um no idea sounds about right for california like a hippie thing it's yeah around kind of yeah, I no idea. I mean, even if they did make them wear them over their nose and mouth, have you ever tried to wear play basketball with a mask on? Like it's you, terrible. It's yeah, hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's it's not happening. So I I don't get it. No idea what's going on with that. So California Interscholastic yeah, Federation. Uh free the kids. Free free the kids. Let 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 the mask thing go, man. If they're not gonna wear them, they're like why are they wearing them they shouldn't have to wear them so why that i don't know good good hustle out there bj who, who's hustling do we have time for three good hustles I absolutely have a, a, a triple i have a three absolutely point three the hustles. hard way three the hard way yes sir i'm gonna start in dear old uh portland uh the, the trailblazers are just a mess i'm just gonna dumpster put fire up. comes to mind Yep, dumpster fire. Uh, Dame Lillard is out 10 days or two weeks with an abdominal injury he's been trying to fight through. And the Trailblazers have lost five of the last six. Chauncey Bills yet again said his team sucks. Blatantly just said, you know, we don't try very hard. Our starters don't motivate our bench. Our bench motivates our starters. They just let go of Neil O'Shea, their GM. They're trying to get things figured out. Now there's this talk about, do are they even going to pay Dame the max next summer? So it sounds like all is not well in Portland and Dame may have to read the writing on the wall and get out of there. But Portland is now where you want to be in the NBA today. I'm shocked because according to, I mean, it's Stephen A. So take it for what it's worth. Um, not the most reliable source. Cause he was saying Damian Lillard would readily come to the Knicks. That sounds more like wishful of thinking than news. Of course. Um, but I mean, according to Stephen A., Dame is still committed to Portland. He's saying he still wants to retire in Portland. Dame, this is an abusive relationship. Get out. Right. Come They're on, controlling bro. you. Get yeah. out. You know, signal twice if you need help, Dame. Say something. <laughs> Blink twice. <laughs> Blink twice. Morse code, damn it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great oh, pick. I mean, Dame is now been there longer than the team president gm and head coach so by a lot all of those guys are going to be brand new this year so right i mean i guess norman powell has been there longer than all three of those guys then so (laughs) yikes uh on a lighter note uh the oklahoma city thunder found themselves playing a basketball game against the Memphis Grizzlies. And, Is know, that what it was? Is that Could we call it a know. basketball game? Yeah. I don't know if it was a basketball game or more of it was like a execution, if you want to say. It was pretty violent <laughs> for the Oklahoma City. Thunder. It was a felony is what it was. <laughs> right. Like, I'm pretty sure there's an APB out for the, the men who played that game because, like, that was – attempted and successful murder of a grown man, a grown man. So Oklahoma City Thunder lost by 73 points. Like, that's not a joke. That's that, legit. That, that's a few. That, that's 73 points. And for good measure, um, if you want to know how this game went, 
the Memphis Grizzlies bench, just the bench, scored 93 points on their own. So they outscored <laughs> the entire Oklahoma City Thunder by 20. That's just the bench. Um, so that's 70 points in the first half and 85 score in the second half. Um, Yikes. I think during timeouts, they should have had to run laps, and Sam Presti should have had to run them with them. He did put this roster out there to play professional basketball. Yeah, it's sad when layup lines are your highlights for the game. You know, your warming up is as good as it's going to get. And this is the Ja Morant list Grizzlies. This is not the 96 Bulls. This is Ja, not even out there. Yeah, that was... That was hard to watch. Yeah. Luckily, I didn't yeah. watch it. Yep. I just kept checking my phone to make sure uh, to refresh, make sure I wasn't seeing triple digits. Um, yeah. This last good hustle, probably one of the funniest. Okay. Um, so, Brian Kelly, coach of the Notre, or you former coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, takes a job at LSU. Within 24 to 36 hours, you know, Brian Kelly's making his rounds, doing his farewell tour, saying he loved his time in Notre Dame. But then he's pumping up the crowd at LSU game at halftime, and something's weird. He, in 24 hours, has found a new Southern accent. He's at the halftime <laughs> crowd. Just, I want to thank all of you for welcoming us here, me and my family. And we're all like, wait, where'd that come from? I'm just from Boston, Everett. by the way. He is from Massachusetts. I'm yeah. like, where at 24 hours did you get this from? So he's Bro. sitting there trying to pump up the crowd. And they're all like loving it. And everybody's like, wait a second. He ain't been here but a day. How he already sounded like he's been down the bayou getting his crawfish and whatnot. So Brian Kelly, um, great acting skills, but uh, you can't get an accent that fast, bro. Funny, though. Brian Kelly is a troll. This is not Everyone a good dude. Him. I heard a story. I heard a story the other day, and I don't remember where I read it, but I heard that. So Matt LaFleur, the current uh, head coach of the Packers, and Robert Sala, current head coach of the Jets. So apparently they were on his staff when he was the head coach of Central Michigan. And they told this story about when uh, Brian Kelly, he was hosting like this big fancy dinner party at his house. You know, probably boosters and people from the school and stuff. And Matt LaFleur and Robert Sala thought they were invited. So they show up because Brian Kelly told them to come through, right? He's like, come through to this party. So they thought they were invited. So they show up looking all nice and stuff. And Brian Kelly hands them the shovels and says, you need to get all this snow out of here. And you need to park all these cars. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they were the hired help that night <laughs> they what? showed up with their wives like looking all nice and spiffy and they ended up parking people's cars man this can't be real this is real life man what and look i mean this is not really our sport but i cannot believe brian kelly would leave notre dame when they still had a very good chance of making it into the college football playoff. Like they were still contending for a national title, but I mean, LSU threw some money in front of him and he's like, Nope, I'm out. <laughs> See ya. Jesus. Oh yeah. No wonder so the Southern accent was just so cringy. Like so funny. he must Me think the people of Louisiana are completely idiotic. 
And I mean, their test scores are not great, but they're not that dumb. Yeah, like what? Like, oh, this guy definitely has access within a day. Like, yeah, this guy who grew up in Boston has coached his entire career in the Midwest at Central Michigan, Cincinnati, and Notre Dame. But all of a sudden, yeah, he's a good old boy, just like the rest of you, you know? The South will rise again all of a sudden. What? 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 (laughs) Next time, I mean, next he's going to be telling, you know, stories about his granddaddy cooking up crawfish and stuff. like (laughs) Wrestling gators out there. Yeah, the way his grandpappy made gumbo. Like, (laughs) what are you talking about? My man is Irish Catholic from Boston. What are you talking about? (laughs) What? Come on, man. We talk about your dunks and, you know. (laughs) I mean, that's really all we have in Boston. Our entire culture is just Dunkin' Donuts. That's it. Um, Yeah. Weird, Weird flex, bro. All right. As alluded to in the intro... We are joined by a very special guest. My guy, Dustin Allred, is back by popular demand. Willing to sit in. It's meaner and meaner every time. (laughs) As Ludacris once said, Dustin's back. Willing to fill in for Dion, so we appreciate him being here. And at Dustin's request, and many of you, to be honest, we are going to talk about the Lakers. The Lakers right now sitting at 12 and 12 at 500. Definitely where I definitely not where I expected them to be at this 24 games into the season. Definitely a little unexpected. There's been some injuries, COVID protocols, suspensions, all kinds of stuff with the Lakers, but regardless, they're sitting at 12 and 12. And so the question I want to ask you, Dustin, is this this should get your ire going is who's to blame for this slow start i blame myself really like I, that's that's who i blame <laughs> <laughs> I, i've gone through like the seven stages of grief with this lakers team it started with um i actually i started as a realist i was really upset when it happened i came on the pod i let loose i was not excited about russ um at all and then all of a sudden, you know, three months later, I saw the uh, media day picture of LeBron, AD, Russ, Carmelo, all sitting in their late in their Lakers jerseys, and I bought in. I'm not gonna lie to you, I bought in. I was like, look at all those all stars. We 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 here, baby. We here, Lakers back again. And guess what? I was right the first time. I I was very right to be very pessimistic because as we've seen. Russell Westbrook doesn't make the best decisions in the fourth quarter. And it's, I think, I, I don't want to blame Russ. Um, actually, if I'm going to blame anyone, I'm going to blame Rob Polinka. That's my answer. I blame Rob Polinka for the travesty that has been the Lakers start of the season. Interesting. I mean, it, I'll give you credit. We all sat here and tried to tell you, nah, Dustin, it'll be fine. Russ Brook will find a way to win. It'll mesh. And what I thought was pessimism on your part the first time you came on was realism. You were very skeptical. And so far, so good with that take. Too bad he didn't stick with it, like he said. But <laughs> hey, Jay, what do you think? Go, go ahead, Dustin. I don't want to cut you off. No, no. You're, um, we. I, I guess my thing is that 
I, you know, thinking about this more, I, I shouldn't have just been pessimistic about Westbrook and about, you know, how he was going to mesh with this team. What I really should have been pessimistic about is the players that we lost out on. And I think this is the Lakers' biggest problem because the Lakers, when they won the championship, when, when, when we grabbed that bubble ring, um, it was based off of defense. It was Frank, it was a Frank Vogel team playing amazing defense like offensively the Lakers were fine like they had you know I think most teams would take LeBron and AD as an offensive force to like run their team but they weren't you know superstars by any means but it was really the defense that they played having these they were a huge team really long switchable defenders on the perimeter um you know we every single Laker fan misses the Caruso right now like that's uh but we let Caruso go. We let Kuzma go. We let um, – oh, I, I don't think Montrez really helped us that much when it really came to playoff minutes. But Montrez was great in the regular season just to have another another body out there that can play defense. Uh, KCP played great defense for us. Um, and we can see right now that Avery Bradley was even a great defender because, you know, we snatch him up off the waiver wire and all of a sudden he's getting like, you know, 20 minutes a game. Like, like Vogel stuck him right back in there. And – we lost all those great defenders and I think it's a lot to ask to say, Hey, Frank Vogel, can we make Malik Monk play great defense? Um, can we make uh, who else is in there? Like I said, they stuck A.B. Bradley right back in, even though we you know grabbed him off the waiver wire. So we lost a lot defensively. And that's something that I didn't even think about when I was originally thinking about the Westbrook trade. Interesting. DJ, do you agree? Do you, do you place the largest piece of blame at Polinka's feet? I do. I do. I put a lot of onus on Rob Palenka. Ironically, though, I'm upset that he listened to LeBron and AD and said, because they were the ones who wanted Westbrook over Buddy Hill. So at this point, like, put your foot down as the GM and say, nah, like, I think Buddy Hill will be a better fit. Because as you saw, like two weeks ago when Sacramento played the Lakers, he was killing the Lakers. Like, he was showing them why they should have traded for him. Like, we, that's what they need, a guy that makes those kind of shots. Um, I'm going to do, like, a blame pie, though. So, Rob gets, like, the uh, big portion of it. But next, I'm looking at uh, Frank Vogel. I don't like the lineups, purely. Like, DeAndre Jordan, I respect him. He should not be out there. He gives you nothing. You could have kept Andre Drummond at this point. Like, he, he's out there taking up space. He literally just running around giving out high fives and not really playing any defense. Um, this one, I'm, I'm coming right at Anthony Davis. Um, he is probably one of the most frustrating players to watch because the top five potential is there and he should be a top five player, but he doesn't play like it every night. And because he doesn't, the Lakers are so dependent upon a 19 year veteran to save them. And that shouldn't be the case. Like this is where AD should take the reins. Um, and lastly, I'm looking right at uh, Russell Westbrook. Um, I don't know if he's trying to prove something or prove his naysayers, but he looks like he's trying way too hard. Like the the simple mistakes he makes, like the basketball IQ is so bad in crunch time. And I just feel like it's going to get worse down the season. Like when you get into the playoffs and you're not going up and down like that, and you have to have Westbrook in the half court. I just don't like that combination. But like I said, they got to mix and match their lineups a little more so Frank Vogel. So there's a lot of blame to go around, if I'm being honest. I'm actually going to disagree. And I don't think it's Polinka. I think Polinka 
has done a great job of putting talent in a Lakers uniform throughout the time that he's been GM. I mean, you look at the Lakers draft picks the past 10 years, not a, not a lot of misses. I mean, Julius Randle, Brandon Ingram, um, turned into stars, Julius Randle, especially Lonzo ball. Um, uh, D'Angelo Russell, just hit after hit after hit with draft picks. The only problem is none of them did it with the Lakers. But I mean, is that really Rob Polinka's fault? I mean, he's, you know, drafting these guys, putting them in a Lakers uniform. And for some reason, when they're Lakers, they don't play very well. And as soon as everybody leaves town, they all suddenly start balling out. Same with free agents. I mean, Montrez Harrell, six man of the year, comes to the Lakers, doesn't play very well goes to Washington, all of a sudden he's an absolute unit again. Talk about Dennis Schroeder playing really well with the Thunder. Comes to LA, struggles, leaves on the Celtics now, playing really well again. I don't think you can put that on Rob Palenka. I think he's done a great job of putting good teams together. I mean, the Lakers, like Dustin said, made their championship ring in the bubble on defense. They played really good defense. And so... Lakers say, give us more of that. They do. And they just can't put it together last year because they can't score. Okay. Can't score. Rob Palenka goes out and gets some guys who can get buckets. And suddenly they can't play defense. I feel, I, I feel like the guy I, can't I, win. I, I'm going to push you. I'm going to push back a little bit on you. And I want to be clear that I'm not saying fire Rob. Like I, in Rob, we trust. This is the one time that it hasn't worked out for us. But most of the time, in Rob, we trust. Um, I'm just going to push back on last year. The only reason that the Lakers didn't win the championship last year is because they got injured. Like there was the first, the first week of the playoffs when you know, there was a play I can remember when LeBron was backing down. Um, who was it? Jeez, uh, I can't even think of his name. He's um, someone on the Suns. Anyways, he's he's going he's going back him down, and you know he's going to turn around and hit a step back jumper over him. And you, you see the entire bench going crazy for it because everyone knows what's about to happen and they can't stop it. And this is exactly what happened: uh, turn around, uh, fadeaway jumper, swish. The Lakers want to win. I don't know if it was game two or game three, but all of a sudden, guess what? Two injuries later, and the Lakers are out of it <laughs> because it was their two most important injuries. So that's I think that's why the Lakers didn't win last year. Um, and that's, I, I just wish that Rob, you know, um, just like we said before, I wish Rob has put his foot down and said, Hey, LeBron, uh, AD, I love you, but we, we can't do this. I don't know. Make, make up an excuse. Hope they don't catch you in your lies or something, but just make sure that <laughs> Russell Westbrook doesn't get on that team. So, I mean, to your counterpoint for all of the good things that LeBron brings to your organization, I'm pretty sure it's in his contract somewhere that you do not say no to LeBron. That's just not an option. When LeBron says, make this trade, guess what? You do it. (laughs) And uh, like you said, LeBron is GM has not made the best moves, but he is the GM. So, I mean, I'm surprised it's not literally written into his contract, but I mean, if he if he makes a bad move, I mean, you're kind of stuck with it because I don't think Rob or Jimmy Buss is telling LeBron no. He pretty much That's runs true. the team. I just I do have some hope that the Lakers can correct the shit because there have been stretches where Westbrook has played inside of the offense and they've looked amazing. 
Like they've looked really great for about four minute stretches. And then that four minutes will end and we have some more bad decisions. Um, and we've also, I mean, we've said it, we've had suspensions, we've had injuries. It's not gone the smoothest. I have, I have hope that we can write the ship, but it's going to take, it's going to take a miracle, but I'm praying, I'm praying. <laughs> Interesting. So with that being said of me, you know, playing devil's advocate and defending Rob Polinka. I think I put the largest blame on Frank Vogel of I feel like he has had the amount of talent to be consistently competing, even with Anthony Davis out, out last year. I mean, you know, it's, it's a long shot to get to be better than the Jabs or the Suns of the West last year. But I mean, to be in the play-ins without Anthony Davis, I feel like he's had the talent and his rotations haven't made a ton of sense and he hasn't been the strong presence that he's needed to be when things have been down. I think he's a little too go with the flow. That's, that's just me. But so then that leads into my next question, which is, do you think at the Lakers at 12 and 12 first round exit last year, do you, do you think Frank Vogel's on the hot seat at this point? BJ, do you think he's on the hot seat? Oh yeah. Yeah. You, if you get, off to a start like this with this kind of roster, you're I think you're immediately on the high seat. Um, and it's not it's mainly because uh Frank Vogel is known as a defensive coach. Like if you look back at his days with the Pacers in the East, he was always top five, top ten defensive efficiency. The Lakers are smack dab in the middle at 15 right now. And they're really like barely playing that great at defense. So his calling card is supposed to be defensive-minded coach, but the Lakers aren't defending that well. And I feel like, like we're saying, like, he's had a lot of talent over the past two years. Like, he should have done a little bit better than he did last year. Granted, there were injuries, but even this year, like, I get it, LeBron has only played maybe half the games, but the amount of talent he has at his disposal to be 12-12 and at the sixth seed in the, in the West, I think you got to be on the high seat because this roster wasn't built to be a sixth seed. This roster was built to win, like, this year, so – if you fall short of that or you keep falling short in these, like, if you're losing to the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, if you, if you lose into some of these teams like this, like, you got to go to OT with the Pacers and you're struggling against Detroit. Like, there's some OT with the Kings as well. There. Right. So I think he is on the hot seat. Dustin, you agree? Frank Vogel on the hot seat? Yes, I I agree, but I, I just don't think it's that hot yet. Like, I think the, I think the seat gets really hot as you approach the playoffs and if you're you know in that play-in range but we're roughly a quarter of the way through the season right now a little more maybe but I think there's a lot to be figured out still and I think a lot of people are giving him you know I I think you're only really on the hot seat with the LeBron team when LeBron doesn't like you anymore um and from what I can tell LeBron is still in on Frank um LeBron still believes in Frank and that's if that changes he's really on the hot seat but until that changes i don't think it's that hot although there are a lot of expectations that still need to be met yeah i think i agree uh i don't know if he is on the hot seat but i feel like he should be but at the same time i don't know what a coaching change if that necessarily helps i don't i don't know if another coach could come in mid-season and suddenly fix what frank isn't doing i mean like we talked about with lebron being the gm lebron is also partially head coach and so lebron 
makes a lot of these decisions and he collaborates with Frank and, you know, they kind of get together and figure this stuff out. And so, you know, is, is Frank Vogel, if he goes, do they really, does that do anything? I feel like it probably doesn't. So I think even though he's on the hot seat right now, I have a really hard time seeing a scenario where he's fired mid season. I just don't see what that does unless they absolutely collapse. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, we could... I think, I mean, I think a, a coach's job is kind of, especially an NBA coach is twofold that you, one, you have to have the X's and O's, but two, you're a manager of personalities. And I think a lot of coaches do one of those two things really well. Whereas I think Frank Vogel is great with X's and O's, especially defensively. Um, where on the other hand, I think someone uh, like a Doc Rivers is a manager of personalities. That's what he makes his bread and butter on. But a lot of people would say, you know, what is what is he doing with his, you know, uh, with his play calling or with it, with his defensive strategy? So I I don't know that a manager of personalities is going to help the situation right now because LeBron, I think, is technically the manager of personalities on this team. Yeah. And I think too, like, I mean. If you want an example of like a mid-season coaching change, the Atlanta Hawks just had one last season. Lloyd Pierce got fired. Nate McMillan stepped in, and they ran the table and got to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I think there's a coach on that staff right now in um, David Fisdale, who coached LeBron in Miami and saw what Coach Spo had to offer. So he knows like what it takes to win a championship. And I think like LeBron respects him enough to where if he stepped into the helm, I think things would change. So I think there is possibility where if you bring in a guy who's already maybe there internally, a new voice might help because I think after two seasons of seeing Vogel, I think it's just not clicking anymore. Like it's not, the C isn't super hot, but it's just not like, they're not motivated to play for him, it seems like. Fair enough. So then with that being said, Dustin, you are now Rob Polinka slash LeBron James. You're the GM of the Lakers. Do you think the Lakers need to make a move to get back on track? And if so, what moves are you looking at? Do I think they need to? No. I, I think they have the personnel that they like, they have the ability to win. And I think that's something that you can't say, you know, again, I guess I can't, I want to hold Rob accountable, but it's, it's, uh, and all that being said, I do think they have the personnel on that team to win a championship this year. Um, maybe, you know, with some, um, some deadline, uh, so like some buyout guys or something like that. Um, but I just don't think, I guess, theoretically, they have the people in, in practice. I don't know if it's going to work out. And I think the, the thing is, is I don't think it largely depends on anything that Frank Vogel does. I don't think Frank Vogel is the person that can, that's going to break through to this team. I think it's going to be, you know, play, player only meetings where, you know, LeBron, AD, Westbrook all sit down <laughs> and they decide, guess what, guys, we're going to play defense. This is what we're going to do in the fourth quarters. This is what we're like. This is how we're going to be. And it's going to be led by the three of us doing things. Um, now, if that is not happening, let's say that's not happening um, in February. I think I think moves need to be made to get this back on track. But as of where I'm at right now, I'm like, okay, just let's give it, let's give it December, let's give it January, let's see where we're at coming into February. And if we need to make a move, that's the time to make it, anyways. Yeah, I, I don't think they need to necessarily make any moves. 
If I'm being honest, I really think it's health. I think health has been a big issue. Um, Trevor Reza hasn't played a game. Kendrick Nunn hasn't played a game. And Kendrick Nunn is actually a really good perimeter defender. So I think that, that might help as far as with guards who go crazy against the Lakers. And then, like I said before, LeBron has only played like half of the games. So you're missing a big piece right there. And you got like only three new returning players from last year with AD, THT, and LeBron. So you basically have like 10 to 11 new guys who you're trying to blend together. So I think it's just getting everybody out there and then finding the right combination. But I necessarily don't think they need to make any moves right now. See, I'm disagreeing with you guys again. I think at this point, I think the Lakers do need to make a move. I think I have seen enough, and here's why. Uh, I think it's discouraging that – I mean, the biggest person who hasn't been healthy has been LeBron. He's been in and out. You know, that's been unusual for him. Usually an absolute pillar and workhorse of, you know, consistently in terms of playing – but the Lakers have not looked significantly better with LeBron out there. They have been better, but not significantly. You know, he comes back, you know, that's when the triple OT game against the uh, loss to the Kings happens. They lose to the Clippers the other night with LeBron out there. And so the Lakers as a team have not looked significantly better with LeBron. It's not like we just need LeBron to come back and he'll fix everything. And I don't think that's a reflection on LeBron, but, as a team, I think that's a bad sign that, okay, we need to change something. When our number one guy is there, we're not looking much better. And the second thing is defensively, I just think a lot of these guys, I don't think it's an effort thing. I think they're playing hard and they're trying to play defense, but I just think this core at this point in their careers just isn't playing defense like they used to, a lot of them. Carmelo Anthony is a liability. LeBron isn't the same defender get get those words out of your mouth in Carmelo we trust right now this is (laughs) offensively absolutely offensively absolutely you need a three Melo's your guy you need to stop absolutely not get him off the floor he's never been a defensive player though like nobody's ever asked Melo to play D no I'm just saying like I think the group of guys they have out there I don't think it's an effort thing or we just need to tweak this I just think I do think you need to bring somebody else in If like, well, so what, what move are you going to make, though? I mean, I, th- I actually think the number one thing the Lakers need is not actually defense. I think it's shooting. I think they need to have a few more shooters out there who can spread the floor and make some more room for Anthony Davis Ooh. and Russell Westbrook. So Ooh, I know so I, I, I seem to recall someone suggesting that, uh, that Buddy Hill should have gone there. And uh, I think when I suggested that, someone else on this podcast, I don't remember who, someone said, <laughs> Buddy Heald? That's dumb. That's, I uh, have no ooh. recollection of what you're talking about. Anyway, um, that, I mean, that was – you took the words out of my mouth. That was the first name I was going to say is Buddy Heald. Okay, look. Yes, Dustin, you were right. Buddy Heald would have been a better – That's all I want <laughs> to hear. I'm, I'm okay now. I'm willing to admit defeat on the Westbrook versus Buddy Heald argument we had a little while ago. But at the time, I mean, Westbrook was coming off another triple-double season. Um, I mean, I feel like I had every right to have faith in him. But apparently he not only – I mean, it's not even touches. He's just lost the ability to make decisions suddenly. The only thing with that is even if they got Buddy Hill, that still doesn't help them like on the other side of the ball. Like, I know shooting sounds great, but I feel like 
you know, they can make all the shots they want to. They just can't stop anybody. So, I mean, it'd be nice to have another shooter, but it's hard to keep shooting and then still not stop anybody. Yeah, but, I mean, I think shooting definitely does help. But then some combo cards out there who do a little bit of both. I think you could inquire about Kobe White in Chicago. He's coming back from injury soon. Chicago's rotation. He, he plays some defense, yeah. Um, I mean, it's not Tony Allen, but it's not bad. He plays play some defense. I mean, I think Chicago's rotation is pretty set at the moment, and they're winning. And so I think Chicago would listen to offers about Kobe White. The other guy I'm looking at potentially is Eric Gordon out of Houston. I mean, obviously, Houston is still selling everything, and so I think Eric Gordon would be a good pickup for the Lakers. But I don't know. Those are just some names I was throwing out there. So. I think that's fair. I just I feel like my whatever GM intuition that I hope and maybe that I have tells me that the Lakers aren't going to get any favors done by anyone. Um, and it is going to have to be. I feel like there's a piggyback to be made, though, that the eventual Ben Simmons trade that is going to happen could potentially be a three or a four team trade. And if I am Rob, I'm just trying to keep my ear to the wire and see if I can piggyback uh, a Russell Westbrook exit off of that trade when it eventually happens. And I don't know what it's for, but I feel like that's doing something like that is going to get you more value than just trying to negotiate something on your own. Oh yeah. That was the most Lakers fan thing to say ever. Oh yeah. The Lakers never get good trade offers. They're never able to bring in guys, you know, for value. Everyone's always trying to take advantage of them. You know, like the Kobe Bryant trade and the Pau Gasol trade. Oh yeah. I, I honestly, I don't know how they keep getting away with it. Like that, I, I don't either. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Either. No one's going to try and do us any favors. But the Chris Paul trade, that trade was so good. The league had to shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it is, as a Celtics fan that makes me so mad that the Lakers keep pulling off these deals where it's like here's a bag of peanuts for your superstar it's like how do they keep you know it's like that TikTok sound they can't keep getting away with this <laughs> well I'm telling you the way that we're going to get away with it this time is by piggybacking it off of the Ben Simmons trade Whatever, something, something's going to happen out, out somehow, of that somehow they're going to come out richer I don't know how yep. but they shouldn't. They have no picks. They have no cap space. But somehow, they always do. They always rob somebody. All right. Enough about the Lakers. Let's talk about the two teams. Wait, before, before we go to the next segment, I actually have a quick little game for you, Taylor. Uh, oh, gosh. That, that, I prepared, I, that I prepared ahead of time. This is just going to be – it's going to take two minutes. I'm sure it's designed I, to make me look bad. I, I, I'm going. I'm going to give you the stats from two players. I'll tell you that they're in the Eastern Conference, and I want you to guess who the players are. Ready? Oh gosh. Okay. Okay. Player A has a team record of fourteen and ten. He's shooting a forty-two percent field goal percentage and thirty-five percent from three this season. Um, he's also a starter on his team. Player B is also is a starter on his team. His team is 13 and 11. He's shooting 41% field goal, and his three-point percentage is 32%. Okay, so say, say player B again, the percentage. Player B, 13 and 10, that, that's their team. 
Okay. Uh, 41% field goals, uh, three point percentage of 32%. Okay. So, off of these stats, field goal percentage, three point percentage, player A is shooting better than player B, and player A's team has a better record than player B. Okay. I honestly do not even have a guess. i guessing that one of them is Jason Tatum. but That is correct. That is player B. I was going to say, it's probably player B. That would mean player A is... I mean, it's, it's hard to lock it down without, like, the context of the volume of, like, how many points. Wait, say player A again. Say player A again. Player A, 42% uh, from uh, 42% field goal percentage. Uh, 35% three-point percentage. Oh, I know. Uh, I know who it is. You freaking say clown. It, say it, it's Kyle Taylor. Kuzma. There will be no more Kyle Kuzma slander on this podcast as long as I'm here to defend him. <laughs> You're right. right. I, my eyeballs <laughs> that watch basketball tells me Kyle Kuzma is a better player than Jason Tatum. Your point is well that's, taken. That's not what I said, but you called him buns. You called him I, buns. I'm not backing off of that. He is buns. Every time he's my eyeballs buns. watch him, he's committing <laughs> some kind of absolute travesty with the basketball. Every time uh, he's is, given the ball in is, transition, he forgets how to run and dribble. Basketball travesties? Is that is that making shots that win the game for your team? Because I've seen him make a couple of those this year. I mean, congrats. I'm sure, you know, at the end of the year, the Wizards are going to be right there. So. I, there will be no more sl- – I just, I just want to stop the slander. This is my podcast. Cal- I will slander Cal Kuzma as much as I want, Dustin. We out here repping the Utah boys. This is what we do. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit his state. He has played better in Washington, but I mean, and, and that's the trend like I'm talking about earlier. For some reason, every single player, once they leave the Lakers, plays quite a bit better. I'm not really sure why, but. I mean, Kyle Kuzma, throw him in that conversation, even though I'm still not willing to admit he's good. All right, speaking of good, let's talk about the Suns and the Warriors playing twice this week. So, Suns-Warriors Tuesday night. Uh, Suns win. I want to say it was by like 8 or 10. I don't remember. I don't have the score right in front of me. Um, But Devin Booker hurts his hamstring in that one, doesn't play the whole game, had to come out, and missed the second game on Friday. And the Warriors win that one going away without Devin Booker. So VJ, having watched the top two teams in the West by quite a bit at this point, they're head and shoulders above the rest of the West and the rest of the league, to be honest. Um, I mean, you can throw the nets in there, but I think the Suns and the Warriors have to be our two title favorites at this point in the season. Still early, but for them playing twice this week, BJ, what were your takeaways from those games? What did, what did we learn about the Suns and the Warriors? It was hard to take a lot away from it with Devin Booker being out. But from what I did see, uh, Mikael Bridges earned all of that money he got. He is a first-team all-defensive player in my mind. Uh, the number he did on Steph Curry to have him shoot, I think his second-worst uh, percentage in history – um, I think that was the main takeaway is you see what you can do defensively with Mikael Bridges on Steph Curry. Um, I think these are the two deepest teams in the NBA, obviously. Like, they can go easily, probably 10, 10 deep if they really wanted to. They're very well coached. Um, 
And then another thing is it's probably gonna not it's unpopular, but Draymond Green is still one of the best defensive players, uh guarding way oversized players. Like he he out physical DeAndre Aiden in that second game in Golden State. Like he didn't let him get comfortable, didn't let him establish anything. Um so yeah, those are my those are my takeaways, man. It's hard to really gauge it without Devin Booker out there who's playing at an MVP level. But you can definitely tell, like, these are the deepest teams in the league. And, like, you can tell why they're number one and number two in defensive efficiency. Yeah. Dustin, what, what were your takeaways from those two games? You know, I, I I don't know if there was anything specific from that game. But it was just – we're just getting a sense of what these teams are in general. And they're really freaking good. Um, and the, the more surprising one, I think, is the Warriors, that they got off to this hot start and Clay's not even back. Like, you know, you ask yourself, when Clay comes back, what can this team be? And I also think they're a move away from being even better. I think, you know, right now they don't have a great center. Um, and I think that's something that they, they have assets. They could easily get someone – you know, whether it be um, a trade or whether it even be just um, uh, a buyout guy at the end, um, towards the end of the season, like you could, you can get someone in there that's going to put, um, put more minutes. So I, my biggest takeaway is what, you know, asking myself, what are the Warriors going to become the playoffs? And then I also just realizing that, guess what? The Suns were real last year. Like you know, people are, you know, kind of writing them off and not, I, I think a lot of people are forgetting that the series with the Bucks was closer than they may remember. That you know the the Suns were at times a couple plays away from flipping that series, and you know maybe it ends up being a game seven, and you know who knows what happens in a game seven. So, but they reestablished themselves, and I I love the Devin Booker tweet after the win that uh, what do you say? Uh, no loss November. Um, they they've been laying the smackdown for a month straight and saying, Hey, guess what? We're here. Yeah. I mean, I agree with a lot of you guys. It's takes what I have written down is what I took away from those games is the Suns actually have the depth to bother Steph Curry, not stop him, not stop him, but they do have the depth and the length to bother Steph Curry. They actually do a pretty good job defending him, which is pretty much the only team in the NBA so far to do that. And I think Monty Williams deserves a lot of credit for that. And I think Mikhail Bridges deserves a lot of credit, like BJ saying. Um, I think the biggest difference between the 2020 Warriors and the 2021 Warriors is the 2020 Warriors only had one way to win games. And that was Steph scoring a lot of points. If Steph didn't go off, the Warriors didn't win. And this is not that same team. The Warriors have a lot of ways to win games, not just Steph Curry. They're winning it with defense. They're winning it with a balanced scoring attack. And they're winning it with Steph Curry going off. That's still a way they win games. And so they, but they have a lot of ways to win games. It's not just Steph Curry anymore, like it was last year. And the last kind of takeaway I had from this is this seems destined for a seven game series, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like we saw a preview? Maybe it's the Western Conference Finals. Maybe it's early in the playoffs. But this seems destined for a seven-game series. And I think DeAndre Ayton is a mismatch in a seven-game series. Like you were talking about with, you know, the Warriors needing a center. DeAndre Ayton is, was doing a lot of work down there. They were getting a lot of good passes into him. And he is going to be a problem if they're going to match up in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, absolute hell of a series. Like, two 
to watch that two games back to back was just phenomenal. Great to watch. Any other takeaways from those games, PJ? Um, I forgot to mention this, but you add Clay Thompson to that, and it really becomes very interesting to see how you match up with the Splash Brothers versus Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Like, what is what does that look like? How does Monty Williams keep everyone's legs fresh while having to chase these shooters? Um, and then you got to throw in Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is legit. I, uh, he came a Milwaukee guy too, so big, big rep there. But uh, he's legit. Like the little scoring route he had to start the season is for real. And I think that gives the Warriors another added advantage. And then Andrew Wiggins finally looks like a number one pick because he doesn't have to be the man anymore. He can kind of play his own role with Steph Curry being the guy. He's just kind of picking his spot. So I think the Warriors have a lot of, like what Dustin was saying, like what are they going to be? Like, does James Wiseman come back and match up with DeAndre Ayton? Like, the Warriors have a lot that they can do before the season um, gets to the post-playoffs. Uh, yeah, and that, that was another point I was going to make. Thanks for reminding me, BJ, of just how much better Andrew Wiggins is this year. And it's hard to quantify. And suddenly he plays defense. That is the weirdest mm-hmm. thing to me. And I looked it up. I know plus-minus isn't everything. You know, it's a little bit of a team stat, and it's a little bit skewed. But Andrew Wiggins last year for the year was minus 220. That's that's a lot. This year, so far, through only, you know, 20, 25 games, he's already plus 150. That is a huge difference. And, yes, that shows that the Warriors are significantly better, but that also shows how much better Andrew Wiggins is. He's being efficient. He is playing defense. No, he's not going to be in contention for defensive player of the year, I don't think. But he's putting a much better effort, and he's being much more intelligent about it. So that's a big reason for it. All right. With that being said, let's talk about some big injuries that have been going on in the last little bit in the NBA. Some of these injuries are a little bit newer. Some aren't. But the way I want to frame this is we're going to talk about some injuries, and I want you guys to tell me, how screwed each of these teams are without this guy, okay? Give me a scale of 1 to 10. How screwed is this team without the injured starter, okay? So let's start with the Bucks. Brooke Lopez had back surgery this past week, and he currently has no timetable for his return, which is not a good sign. Doesn't mean he's out for the year necessarily, but whenever they say no timetable, that's not, not good usually. Nobody has said no timetable, and that's that's been a good sign. So, VJ, scale of one to ten, how screwed are the Bucks without Brooke Lopez? Um, I say a four out of ten. Um, I, I think it changes what they want to do defensively and offensively, obviously. But this is why you have Demarcus Cousins to just throw another body out there. Um, it forces Bobby Portis into a new role. Um, but it definitely hurts because now you clog up the lane a little bit more, losing some of the shooting, and Brooke Lopez is a hell of a shot blocker. So it, it definitely hurts him, but it doesn't kill him. So four out of ten. Dustin, scale of one to ten, how screwed are the Bucks without Brooke Lopez? Um, I, I think I'm a, a little bit under that. I think I'm at about, a, at about a three. Like, I think Brooke Lopez on that team is – when he's playing well, it is the frosting on top of the on top of the Sunday, but it's not really a core into the, the core of this team is Giannis Antetokounmpo. 
and that this man is on a mission right now and it is fun to watch. So I, you know, I guess as I just think if I, if I put myself in, I'm like, Oh, Brooke Lopez is out. I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not overly excited. I'm not like, Oh, that makes it so much easier to beat this team that Brooke Lopez is out. Um, I'm just, I'm just like, okay, that's one less thing to worry about, but I'm still really worried. So yeah, I, I agree with you guys. If it's not insignificant, it's not nothing. But I mean, Brooke Lopez pretty much hasn't played the whole year, and the Bucks are nine and one in their last ten. I think it does take a little bit more from Giannis without his, you know, postmate down there with him, and without Brooke there to kind of space the floor for him. But they can they can get around it. They do have some other bodies that aren't quite as good, like BJ mentioned. So I mean, not insignificant, but. I'd probably say three or four as well. So, all right. Next injury then. Dustin, on a scale of one to 10, how screwed are the Nuggets without Michael Porter Jr.? He is out for the year with back (laughs) surgery. He had surgery. He's officially out for the year. This is is just going to continue a trend of uh, Dustin railing on GMs today because (laughs) it's not really the, the Nuggets who are screwed, but it's the GM who decided, hey, guess what we should do before Michael Porter Jr.'s contract is up? We should give him a max. We should go ahead and max him out when we don't have to. And all of a sudden, uh, you know what? He's guaranteed now for $145 million. And we don't, like, and not that I'm saying that Michael Porter Jr. doesn't deserve that money. Michael Porter Jr. is an amazing basketball player. The only reason that he fell in the draft was because people were worried about his health. And apparently with good reason, because, you know, three months after he gets a max extension, he's having back surgery and it's scary. Like, it's really scary. I I hope the best for Michael Porter Jr. But, you know, having back surgery is definitely a scary, scary thing. As far as the Nuggets are concerned, uh, the scale of one to ten, I would go as six. And for the how worried the GM should be, it should be a ten. Because that's uh, it does not look good. I, I think you're right to a point, but I think just the rules are different for some GMs than others. If you're the GM of the Jazz or the Nuggets or the Pelicans or any of the other of these other smaller teams, the Thunder to an extent, you have to lock up your homegrown talent early because you're not attracting free agents. The Nuggets are never rumored to be a destination for premier free agents. Players don't like playing in the elevation. They get winded. Um, And it's just Denver, not the best town. I mean, I I have no problem with Denver, but, you know, I have to think that's a factor in why free agents don't go there. And so I do think it was in hindsight, we may be saying this was a horrible contract, but this is what, you know, smaller team GMs have been doing you know, for a decade of this is how they have to keep their team together is you draft a player like Jokic, uh, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray. You have to lock them down early, give them the max extension so that you can give them the money and try and induce them to stay. But in terms of the Nuggets without Michael Porter Jr., considering they have to go a stretch without Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, I'd say they're about a. This is about a seven. This is not good. This was one of the things that was going to keep them afloat without Jamal Murray, and now it's literally just Jokic. 
that's it. That's the only thing the Nuggets have keeping them afloat. And so this this is not good for the Nuggets. But BJ, what do you think? Scale of one to ten, how screwed are the Nuggets? Justin, you about to say something? I just want to say I just want to push back a little bit on what you said because yes, as 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 a GM, you you do want to lock down that talent. But what what's the difference of doing it last September or doing it in? I don't know, the end of the season, or even like you can do it before the season ends. If, he, if Michael Porter Jr. goes a full season without being injured, is playing really well, you want to motivate him going into the playoffs, do it in, do it in April. Like, um, you know, have, a, have him sign a fat check then. Um, but you did it, they did it so early that like there wasn't, I asked myself, what was, the, what was the upside for you? It makes you look like a slightly better person, but like as compared to what, if you do it eight months later, guess what? I, I promise you, Michael Porter Jr. is still taking that money. That's like, you know, people are talking about Zion going to leave without signing the rookie extension. I hate to tell you this, it's $200 million. There's a lot I would do for $200 million. And to play basketball is very, like, it's not that hard to, for me to say yes and, you know, sign on the line. So, and I, I get it. The timing of the contract was definitely generous. But when you're what my but my point is is if you're a team like the Nuggets, if you're not generous in taking care of your guys, what do you have? If a team like the Nuggets suddenly is you know at war with their players, they have nothing. They're not bringing anybody else in. And so yes, I agree. The timing wasn't the best, but we also have the benefit of hindsight of Michael Porter Jr. hurts his back twenty games into that contract. So I mean, at war, I, I did, did Michael Porter Jr. say, "Hey, I need a contract right now"? I I hadn't heard that anything that he had like demanded a contract. I think that makes it different if he did. That's what I'm saying is if a team like the Nuggets doesn't take care of their guys and doesn't look out for their interests and try and stay on their good side, then they don't have a whole lot to try and keep them there. I, I'm just telling you that Michael Porter Jr. would love that contract, whether if it was offered to him uh when it when it was in september or if it was offered to him in may he would still have no ill will towards the nuggets when they're offering him 150 million dollars probably but i mean it's it's hard to say um and i'm dust i'm so glad that i invite you on just so you can constantly argue with me (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm here for you baby (laughs) he changed his name i I, I just noticed he changed his name (laughs) oh man no, it's all good. I was just giving you a hard time. BJ, what do you think? How, how screwed are the Nuggets without MPJ? Uh, I'm going to go a full nine, uh, a full nine out of ten here. Um, just because we just talked about a guy who had a back surgery in Brooke Lopez. He's older than Michael Porter Jr., and he's out indefinitely. Michael Porter Jr. is out for the entire season, so that gives me some real concern as to what – not only this season, but long term, because this is why Michael Porter Jr., uh, this is why his, his stock fell in the draft and Nuggets still picked him up. He said he was grateful that they did give him a shot, but I honestly think with or without him, they were going to struggle. He did not, he was not playing that great this season to start with. Um, I was confused why he got the extension so early. I think he got it based off how he played in the bubble two seasons ago. But uh, now this kind of puts Jokic in a tough spot. Do you do you play him heavy minutes and make him pick up the load? Because the Nuggets are, tenth, I think, the ninth seed in the West. Like, they're already in the play-in. So I think this is a full nine out of ten for them because not only is it their current season, but this is, like, their long-term plan because not only is 
MPJ signed long-term. Jamal Murray is also signed long-term. Then you have two guys coming off of injuries. So how do you how, how does that work long-term? So I would be panicking if I was a Nuggets because this is all I – my all my eggs in the basket right here. Yeah, I mean, uh, not not good. Not for good for the Nuggets because he's under that contract. Not good for MPJ. I mean, this is not his first back injury. To my knowledge, it's not his first back surgery. So, I mean, even though he's only, what, 23, 24 years old, not not good. Oof, that's tough. Hopefully he bounces back. Um, next injury we need to talk about, Zion Williamson has, quote, a slight delay in his rehab. What does that mean? We don't know. They don't know. Um, there's a slight delay in the broken foot. Um, he was cleared for contact drills last week that apparently did not go well. And so now there's a slight delay. So VJ scale of one to 10, how screwed are the Pelicans without Zion? 20. (laughs) (laughs) They're screwed. Like, so like they are terrible. They're 29th in defense. Like, I don't think he was going to say that. Um, he, he does not seem like he is going to be on the court anytime soon. There's a picture that came out yesterday. My man is hefty, hefty, hefty in these streets. Um, so I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's best. Like, if I'm being honest, um, I don't think he should play at all this season because that doesn't look like a man who was worried who can play an NBA, an NBA game at all. Um, and the Pelicans aren't going anywhere, so you don't have to rush him back for what. Uh, there's no, there's no reason to bring him back. But if I, without him, you clearly see what they are like. They're another lottery team. Brandon Ingram is doing all he can, but that's clearly not enough. Um, and that's Stephen Adams for Valanciunas move. It, I don't know if that really helped them at all. He can play offense, but it's not really the same to pay dividends. Um, so yeah, they they got to be a full. 10 out of 10 um, screw without Zion, but I don't think he should come back anyway. Dustin, how, how screwed are the Pelicans without Zion? Uh, yeah, you're going to have to tell me if you guys hit this on a on a, on a a topic uh, or hit this on a previous pod. Did you, did you guys hear the press conference where, I don't know if it was the coach or the GM, I think it was the GM, he was saying, oh, yeah, we've actually changed some of our, uh, our, um, our facilities, like uh, food habits. Um, as like part of like the Zion update, yeah, and I was like, like "What Griffin. food habits are you changing? Are you like, you know, stop putting out the gumbo, or like, what, like, what's <laughs> what's going on here?" Because like, it's not um, because of Zion, yeah. by the way. It's just a you know, just a general thing, you know. Oh my god, I was laughing so hard when I heard that, and it like honestly, I just start laughing when I hear people talk about the Pelicans and like what's going on with Zion right now. It is a full. BJ's right. Full ten. Like, like, can it be higher? Does does the Samp go to eleven? Because it is, it's a problem. But you know what? I'm just, I'm going to agree with BJ again here. Like, Zion just shouldn't play, and he need like, they really need to figure out how to keep him in a healthy condition to play NBA basketball. Um, I heard uh Charles Barkley talk about this that when he felt that when he came into the league he was too heavy and it took a veteran coming to him and sitting him down and saying hey man you're too heavy to play right now you're going to get hurt it's going to be hard for you you need to cut and if you can it get was, down Moses, to, Moses Malone Moses yeah Malone. Mm-hmm. and if you can get down it's going to help you 
and he did it and he saw the benefits. And I think, you know, can, I don't know, can the Pelicans, you know, pay TNT to, you know, take, take Charles away for, <laughs> for a little bit and come sit, have him sit Zion down. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's something it is. It's something. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you guys. If this isn't a 10, I don't know what is, I mean, the, the Pelicans are at, I mean, the question is how screwed are they screwed without Zion? They're just screwed without Zion. And because they're already so bad, I don't see what the rush should be in bringing him back, which makes me question if he's even going to come back at all. Cause you know, if he's already tried to come back once and there's a setback, I mean, they should be extremely careful that foot should be healed in a half if he's going to come back at all. And I agree with you guys. Maybe just focus on conditioning. Maybe if you just take the stress of don't worry about coming back, just worry about making sure you're in peak physical shape. Maybe that helps him. You know, maybe that's, you know, don't worry about trying to get into game shape or don't worry about trying to play minutes. Just worry about, you know, being in the best condition you can be. Maybe that helps him. I don't know. But I mean, I don't really see a reason why he should play maybe this year at all for the Pelicans. That doesn't do them any good. So they're already looking at a lottery pick. It's honestly in their best interest to shut them down and get the best possible pick they can. So I don't see the reason to bring him back at all. So. All right, then here's maybe the most interesting because I kind of went back and forth with this. But Bam Adebayo this week has a torn UCL in his thumb. Um, and he is out indefinitely. I, I do believe it requires surgery to fix. And so not sure on the timetable for Bam. I th- tried to do some research, really not seeing a whole lot out there. I think I saw a minimum of eight weeks. So a couple months at least, I think. But how screwed are the heat without Bam, Dustin? They're not well off, uh, that's for sure. I, I won't go probably middle of the road at about a five or a six for this. Um, you know, I as far as being a regular season team, well, maybe it should even be higher because I, th- I think BAM really affects their ceiling of what this team can be. And I think when they were – when this team was firing on all cylinders, when they made it to the finals, um, it was – you know, made it to the bubble finals, it, a lot of what they were doing was dependent on BAM, both on offense and on defense. Um, and I think that when BAM is playing amazing, they have this super high ceiling, um, and they could, in theory, be championship contenders. Um, not saying that they will be, but they could. Um, and so with Bam out, they're definitely out of that conversation. I think they have the ability to get by and hang in there in the regular season. Like, I don't think they're going to spiral out of control, um, but they're definitely, yeah, I'll go with six. They're, they're not very, very well off right now. DJ, how screwed are the heat? Um, that's kind of right where I was, about a six or a seven. Um, they were already struggling without Jimmy Butler. He's been out of the lineup a little bit. Um, and they already don't have a lot of uh, depth in the front court. I think Dwayne Dedman is their next guy in rotation. Um, he's clearly he's a rebounder, bruiser, not nearly like the offensive player Bam is. Um, and like Dustin just said, like – when Bam is at his best, they hear at their best because he's switching. He's getting triple doubles nearly. He's doing everything they need him to. 
Um, and I think this shines a light on something that people aren't talking about is that Kyle Lowry has not been good this year. And without Bam in the lineup, like it's just going to make Kyle do even more. But I don't know how much that's going to help because he hasn't been great this year. So I think Miami, and they're already slipping. I think they're now 14 and 11 because they just lost to the Grizzlies tonight. So they're only three games over 500. They're not playing very well. Jimmy's hurt. So now you take out, you know, your all-star big man, that can't be great. So I think seven out of 10, like the heater screwed because the East – the East is, is, is jam-packed. You can lose to anybody. On any, even the Cleveland Cavaliers, you can lose to. So I would be panicking if I was. Yeah, I, I think I'm putting them at an 8 out of 10. I mean, that's a tough break. Even though Jimmy is a better player, I think you can make an argument that he would be better off if Jimmy Butler was out for a long period of time. Because you can replace – they do have some backcourt depth. You know, they're not – Obviously, Tyler Hero and Kyle Lowry are not the same caliber player Jimmy Butler is, but they do have something there. Nobody does what Bam does for the Heat. There are very few who can do that in the entire league, but nobody does what Bam does for the Heat when he's out. And so you lose such a defensive dimension without him there and and an offensive dimension. And so Heat, it's, it's to say they're in trouble is a stretch. They'll be okay, but Bam, on top of some of the things that have already happened, Jimmy hasn't been totally healthy. Kyle Lowry has not been good, like VJ's saying. And so Bam, on top of that, is not good. And so we'll see what happens to the Heat, if they're able to rally or not. So not not good. I, I'm agreeing with what you guys are saying. I guess the only reason that I was a little bit lower is because I think Coach Spo is – one of the better coaches in the league. Um, I, I really, no but I, uh, yeah, he, he's amazing. And so I, I have a feeling that they'll weather the storm um, to an extent because of uh, basically the infrastructure, because of the heat culture. Um, Ugh, but, heat culture, <laughs> gag me. Uh, but, you know, that being said, you got, I mean, you guys are completely right that, you know, the, no one does what Bam does. So they they are really going to miss him. Yeah, no question. Maybe we see Miami make a move to try and bring somebody in while while these guys are out and try and keep them afloat. We'll see. Last one. Um, Jean Morant, tragically, dealing with a knee injury. Um, all we have on him right now is that they're saying he will return this season at some point, but he's out indefinitely. So, VJ. How screwed are the Grizzlies without John Morant? Um, th- this might be a shocker, but I'm actually at a three with them um, because they've actually won five straight games since he's been down. A lot of their guys have actually stepped up. Dylan Brooks is back healthy, which actually helps a ton. Um, Tyus Jones is a veteran point guard who they inserted into the lineup. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. just got that stupid fat extension, so he has to really earn that, and I think he's played up to that a little bit since Ja's been down. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they'll be fine. The West is super tight, and I think once you get past Suns, Warriors, Jazz, it's anybody's um, anybody's conference after those three teams. And I think the Grizzlies are right there. So if Ja – and Ja, he seems to bounce back pretty quick. So I think that they, they have the bandwidth to withstand it. But I'm only, you know, three out of ten saying that the Grizzlies are screwed because they play hard too. So Dustin? How screwed are the Grizzlies without Ja? No, I agree. I, I've been watching it 
closely. I saw the, uh, I was actually in person to watch uh, uh, Grizzlies at Jazz uh, a week or, week or two ago. And that was an all around, like, great game by Ja when he was still playing. Um, but it was Jaron Jackson um, who hit the game winner. Um, coming down this, uh, coming down the stretch there to to seal it for the Grizzlies, um, and Vijay is right. You know what? They've been for five games. They've been fine, which is surprised me. If you would have asked me right after the energy, right after the injury, I would have said, "Oh, geez, they're up there seven, eight. You know, hit the panic button." But they've they weathered the storm, and they've had people step up, um, and they have some dogs on that team. Some some absolute dogs who just get after it. So. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, after seeing it for a handful of games, I'm probably down at like a four or five, you know, like it's, we, they, you can't, you're definitely missing job, but they've been okay. They've been able to handle it. So let's see if it still keeps rolling. Yeah, this is one of the perplexing things I've seen in the NBA this season. It should be a 10. I mean, early in the season, John Moran was the only reason the Grizzlies were winning. And suddenly when he's out, they're winning games and they're winning games with style points. Like what they did to the Thunder the other night should have been a felony. Like every single one of those Grizzlies players should have been thrown in jail for what they did to the Thunder. Like grown men don't do that to other grown men. Um, that was I. I was checking in my. Uh, I was checking my phone and I was like, "Wait, what?" I had to take a double and triple take. Yeah, what? What the hell did they just do to the Thunder? Good lord. Anyway. So it should be a 10, but I'm with you guys. It's probably a five. Maybe this doesn't continue, but the whole team is playing well right now. And so give the coach a lot of credit. Hopefully JJJ keeps it going, earns that paycheck. Um, And when John Morant comes back, maybe this team can maybe even do some damage down the road. Who knows? But they're playing really well right now. I'm not really sure why. Dustin, my man, always good having you. Always, always good to be invited. You know, hopefully, hopefully I don't push your buttons too much to the point no, I don't not get at all. back. Not, not at all. <laughs> you the man. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, man. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to be here. And you know, everyone, if you're uh, if you're seeing the social media feed for these guys, go go spam it. Free Kuzma. That's the, that's the hashtag. <laughs> hashtag Free Kuzma. All right, that's enough. Get out. <laughs> that's you, the man. We appreciate you. All right, let's get to our five games of the week. Without further ado, uh, Dion did send us his picks, so he is locked in. Dion's nine and one, whatever. Who cares? Um, I'm eight and two. VJ, are you? Are you also eight and two? Eight and two. Eight and two. So we're we're hanging in there. Honestly, not bad considering these are right. prime matchups. I, I would have went five and zero except I picked the wrong Suns Warriors game. I picked the Warriors in the first one. Mm. I needed to pick them, pick the Suns in the first one. But all right, first game of the week: Celtics at Lakers Tuesday night. VJ, who do you like and why? Um, on no particular bit of faith here, I'm gonna take the Los Angeles Lakers at home in this game. I think they. They hear all the noise. Coach Vogel's on the hot seat. LeBron is mad at the league. I think they come out with some fire and the Lakers get a dub here. Um, I'm taking the Celtics purely because I'm a homer. Um, but the, also the, the Lakers kind of got cooked in Boston. 
that was probably the best game that the Celtics played all year. And so hopefully they're able to do that again. Did Jalen Brown play in that one or no? He did not. That's why I think I'm taking the Lakers. I think that's going to be a dynamic to watch. Okay, fair enough. Dion shockingly also has the Lakers. Um, hard to predict. All right. Uh, second game, Bucks at Heat once again this week. That's Wednesday night. Uh, I like the Bucks. Bucks are going one way, Heat are going another way. Uh, who do you like, B? Absolutely taking the Bucks. The Bucks just stomped the Heat on Saturday without yep. Giannis. I'm assuming Giannis will play this game. So yeah, and no Bam. So you got to know Giannis is going to eat. Yeah, that I'm willing to guarantee that one. Um, and Dion also has the Bucks, I believe. Yes. All right, third game. The Jazz at Sixers Thursday night. Gobert versus Embiid. EJ, who do you like? Uh, I'm taking the Utah Jazz in this one. Um, the Sixers were a cute story to begin with. They were at the top of the East for like a day. Joel had COVID. He's back now. But I just don't think they have the horses to play with the Jazz. I think the Jazz kind of make easy work of them in that game. Yeah, I 100% agree. Of. I mean, Joel Embiid was jumping up and down after barely beating the Hawks. So, I mean, that should tell you where the Sixers are at these days. <laughs> um, you know, celebrating regular season wins like they won the like they won it all. So, I also like the Jazz. Deion's taking the Sixers, so maybe he knows something we don't. Actually, he just doesn't like the Jazz. I can already tell you right now. Um, <laughs> game number four. Speaking of the Hawks, the Nets come to town. Nets go down to Atlanta, play the Hawks Friday night. Um, I like the Nets. I like the Nets experience over the Hawks. Um, DeAndre Hunter should be out for that one as well. Um, so, Vijay, who do you like? I'm also taking the Nets in that one. For no particular reason, I just think the Nets are going to get it right, at least, and kind of get on a, a small roll here. And I feel like the Hawks is really going to start. Yeah. Deion's taking the Hawks. I like it. Mm, okay. Bold. Okay. Bold. All right. Game number five. The Bulls go down to Miami and play the Heat Saturday night. So, who do you like in that game, B? I like the Bulls in that one. Uh, I feel like they're rolling right now. And like you keep saying, the Heat are just not, they're going in one direction that is not positive by any means. Uh, so, give me the Bulls. They, they play defense and defense travels. Yeah, I agree. The Bulls may be the most consistent team outside of the Suns and the Warriors. The Bulls haven't had a lot of ups and downs. They seem to, you seem to know what you're going to get with the, with the Bulls every night and they take care of most of the teams they should. So I I also like the Bulls, but Dion is take, Dion's also taking the Bulls. So we all, we all like the Bulls. All right, let's go out of bounds really quick before we wrap up. And since it's the Christmas season, we're continuing that theme. VJ, I want to know, what was your favorite Christmas present you received growing up? So, back in the day, huge WWE fan. Like, I like where this told, is going. If you told me it was fake, I probably would have slapped you because I was like, no, it's not. These, are, these guys are doing this. is real. <laughs> but um, favorite wrestler growing up, at least one of them, Jeff Hardy from the Hardy Boys. He used to oh, okay. always jump the tables and stuff. So I was I couldn't find an action figure that year to save my life. I couldn't find it. 
So magically on Christmas morning, I wake up. My mom's got the whole Hardy Boys set. She's got the tag belts, the tables, the ladder chair play set. Then she's got Jeff and Matt Hardy. I don't know where she got it. I don't know who she got it from. I don't know if Amazon was back, back a thing back then. But all I know is I had the whole WWE Hardy Boys set. And you couldn't find it for like the past five days because I was in my room just going crazy because I had like, all the figures I had at that time. That that's legit. Um, I think I think it tells you everything you need to know about me and you that that it's your favorite Christmas present and my favorite Christmas present growing up. Maybe this dates me, but I had a Game Boy Color growing up. I got it for my birthday. And my favorite present I ever received was when I got Pokemon Silver for Game Boy Color one Christmas. And, bro, I absolutely grinded that. (laughs) Every waking moment. I even had, like, the little worm-like thing for the Game Boy Color, you know what I'm saying? Like, so you can play in the dark. You know, the Game Boy is not backlit in those days. So, I mean, I was on that Pokemon grind once I got that. That was... I mean, I was not cool back then. I was, I mean, I'm not cool now, but I definitely wasn't cool back then. So. <laughs> hey, that's legit. Yeah, I, that was my favorite gift I ever got. I was so hyped when I, because like, you know, I was asking, I was begging my parents, begging my parents, please get me the new Pokemon, please. There's <laughs> please, 100 please. new Pokemon. You don't understand. <laughs> There's you new ones. This, I'll leave. I'll never come back if I don't, <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you if I don't get Pokemon. <laughs> Have you seen Lugia? Like, you know, <laughs> of course, my parents are playing it cool, you know, like, oh, we'll see, you know, we'll see, uh, maybe. We'll see. maybe Sam will bring it. <laughs> and of course, Forget like, that. You, <laughs> you don't understand. I need it. <laughs> so I, was, I was so hyped when I. When I opened it up, and there it was. So, all right. If you were listening to this, know that we appreciate you. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Dagger Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and and there's a there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to Awaken180WeightLoss.com.